Man must have a future, a goal to strive for. And the same thing can be said for the church. Greetings, church leaders and friends. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights that help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. I'm your host, Becky Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carrie Holton. Hello, babe. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Been a little cold lately around here, but... Yeah, we're hanging in there, though. We're hanging in. I'm, I'm sure people don't care about the weather where we live. Probably not much at all. I'm sure they don't. (laughs) Well, moving on, today we want to talk about mission and vision and also core growth engines. You know, this is something we discuss in our in-person and online Effective Church Leaders Workshop. And what we found out is that there is some confusion on the difference between a church's mission and their vision. So in this podcast, we want to explain that difference. That's right, we do. Let's begin by saying that the mission of a church, a leadership team, a ministry team, a committee, even the mission of an individual answers this question, why do we exist? Or why do I exist? What is our purpose? Why are we here? Yes, and by the way, it's true that every church should answer that question. But as you say, it's also true that every leadership team needs to identify their mission. You know, an eldership needs to identify their mission or why they exist, for example. A mission committee needs to identify their mission. A worship ministry needs to clarify their mission. The finance committee needs to identify what their purpose is. Yes, I think so. And this is finding out the why. Why do we exist? What is our purpose? What is our core reason for being? And this understanding or identification needs to be boiled down to a short and memorizable mission statement. The reason for this is that you want everyone in the church to be able to articulate what the mission of the church is. Your goal is to make that mission statement so easy to remember that any member of the church could recite it if asked. You want everyone on the team to know why this group exists. You want everyone to know the why. This is what will motivate the members of the church or the members of the leadership team to get out of bed in the morning and go about the work that leads them to accomplish the mission. I like that, hon. Now, a vision, on the other hand, answers the question, where are we going? Where do we sense the Lord wants to take us? What are we trying to accomplish? Good. So the mission is the why, and the vision is the what. Yes, that's one way to distinguish between the two. And before we say more about a vision, can we talk just a minute about the importance of a vision for the future? I just finished the book, Man's Search for Meaning, by Viktor Frankl. I've had that book in my library for a long time, but had never read it. It was first published in 1959, but I only recently read it. And what a read. I would encourage anyone who hasn't yet read that book to read it. It's good. Anyway, Frankel survived four concentration camps during World War II. Anyway, he makes the point in his book that man must have a future, a goal to strive for. 
and I think the same thing could be said for the church. Frankel wrote that if a person tried to live life without a future, and specifically he learned this from his experiences in the Nazi concentration camps, that person was in effect marching to his own funeral. He wrote that looking to the future was a person's salvation in the most difficult moments of his or her existence. And what is true of individuals must also be true of churches and leadership teams. Without a goal to strive for, without a future, there is no life, much less progress. So really every church and every leadership team and ministry in the church needs to have a vision for the future. Yes, a goal to strive for, a clear picture of what they want to accomplish. And that goal or a picture of what they want to accomplish needs to be clear, specific, and measurable. So, for example, a church might say, our vision is to grow our Sunday morning attendance by 50% in the next five years. Or, by January 1, 2026, we want to have welcomed 1,000 first-time guests. Or, a campus ministry might have this vision for the future. We want to have started a campus ministry on our local community college in the next five years. Good, good. Once again, a mission statement tells the why. A vision statement tells the what. A mission statement is general, whereas a vision statement is more specific. A mission statement is vague. A vision statement is more specific and measurable. And we have found that some churches try to combine the elements of mission, vision, and strategy in the same statement. For example, one church wrote this mission statement. We exist to make followers of Christ in our city by telling the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, by baptizing them, and by teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. That sounds like it's right out of Matthew 28, right out of Scripture. Well, it is. It, it does sound that way, and it is. But if I were wanting to improve that statement, the first thing I would say is, it's too long. Most people will not be able to remember that. Second, it's a mixture of both mission and strategy. We exist to make followers of Christ. Now, that would be a wonderful and succinct and easily memorizable mission statement. But when you add, by telling the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, by baptizing them, by teaching them, now you are talking about strategy, the how of accomplishing the mission. You don't want to include the strategy in the mission statement. We hope that clarifies for our readers what is mission, vision, and the difference between the two. There's another question that people who take the Effective Church Leaders Workshop ask. It has to do with core growth engines. Some wonder if core growth engines are all the programs of the church. They are often confused on what we mean by core growth engines. Could we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Let's begin by stating that every church should identify what we are calling core growth engines. These are the activities or programs or events that will carry the load for accomplishing your vision. These are the efforts that will really fuel your progress. And we would suggest that churches identify only three to four core growth engines at the most. A couple would even be better. Why only three or four? 
because this will enable the church and her leaders to focus on the most important and most productive programs, activities, or events that will serve to accomplish the church's vision. Right. And for example, honey, church leaders might identify the Sunday Worship Assembly as a core growth engine, and I would say surely it is a core growth engine. This is when we welcome guests. This is when people grow into the image and likeness of Jesus. And so we ought to be putting a lot of our efforts into making that Sunday morning worship assembly as good and as productive and as beneficial as it can be. We could call it a core growth engine. Or church leaders might identify their online digital presence as a core growth engine. You know, we've been talking a lot about that in the last several episodes of this podcast, that today the front door of the church is the internet. It's the church's website. It's the content that people read from the church online. So, you know, that would be a good core growth engine, their, their online digital presence. Or it might be the children's ministry or the small group ministry. Sure, sure. Well, what we are saying to answer the question that started us down this path is that no, not all of your programs are core growth engines. I'm reminded of a workshop we conducted for our church just last year. They sent us a list of their core growth engines, and they had just about every program of the church on that list. The monthly Saturday men's breakfast, the weekly ladies' Bible class, the meals program for those families who had welcomed a new baby into the family, the greeters program, the food pantry program, and many, many more. Well, these programs and activities no doubt do some good, but very likely having a monthly Saturday morning men's breakfast or providing meals to those families who welcome a new baby or a canned goods food pantry, well, those programs, although good, will likely not fuel the church to accomplish her bold vision. Good programs, perhaps, but not programs that will greatly contribute to the accomplishment of the vision. And furthermore, calling all of your church's programs your core growth engines will dilute your focus and your energies. This is one of the dangers of having too many programs and too many events on the calendar. It only serves to dilute the energies of the church. Churches that thrive are focused on accomplishing their mission and vision for the future. They focus their energies and time like a laser beam. Good. Also, this does not really relate to your question about the relationship between core growth engines and the church's programs, but I think we should add this as we are talking about the vision of the church. We worked with another church as they were trying to craft a vision. And they had two teams working separately on a vision for the church. One team was composed of the elders of the church, and the other team was composed of the church staff. That may not have been the very best strategy for identifying their church's vision. Rather, the leaders should appoint just one vision-casting team composed of 8 to 12 of the leaders of the church. Some of those 8 to 12 might be elders and ministers, as well as other leaders in the church who may not have a particular title. What we are encouraging is choose visionary leaders to cast a five-year vision for the church. That would be our recommendation. 
Right. And you certainly don't want the entire church to try to cast a vision. That I'm yeah, well, it might be well-intentioned, but it's very difficult for more than a group of 8 to 12 to work together to come up with a vision. Let them come up with a vision for the church, then present that vision to the church and ask for their buy-in. Good. Well, in this episode, we've talked about mission and vision and core growth inter- engines. I can already hear some of the questions that have been raised from this discussion. So why don't we plan to address some of those questions in the next podcast? Do you have any closing thoughts, on? I do. I just want to encourage the leadership teams in churches to give serious thought to their mission and their church's vision for the future. And now is the perfect time to do just that. We are in the fourth quarter of the year, and a brand new year is on the doorstep. The pandemic will be going away in time, maybe sooner than we think. So this is an ideal time to think about the future. And again, I want to leave our church leaders with the thought we expressed at the beginning of this podcast. Man must have a future, a goal to strive for. And I think we can say the same thing for the church. It's true of churches too. Churches must have a future. They must have a goal to strive for. A vision for the future that inspires and challenges and makes people say, wow, I'm so glad to be a part of this church, a church that is going somewhere. So, church leaders, use this time to identify a mission for your church if you haven't already, and use this time to dream again about what God can do and wants to do among your people. Well, very good. And with that, we will close another episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive.